Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to BWI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Uh, I've been waiting to do this for a while and find the right guest and the right person to bring on and have a conversation. And uh, I got to tell you, I don't know that there's a better person than former Penn State offensive lineman Landon Tangwell, who's joining me today on the BWI Live show. Uh, Landon, welcome to the show. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're still a very busy person, so thank you for coming on the show and having a conversation with me. No doubt, T. Frank. Thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited. So what are you up to these days? I know you're still enrolled at Penn State. So so what's what's going on? What's a day in the life of Landon Tangwall? And what are you doing now uh, with all of that uh, all that time and energy you have as as a uh, as a former football player? Yeah, so uh, I'm a broadcast journalism major. Um, that is kind of and as the media knows, I always enjoy talking to the media, being as involved as possible with you guys, even throughout my high school recruitment and then into my uh, career here at Penn State. Uh and, it, you know, I was actually taking last semester, I was taking a, a class where we essentially uh, put on a newscast each morning. Uh, and it was just something I really enjoyed. And I was talking to a couple of people and they said, hey, let's hook you up, you know, with, with some podcast radio, radio show style stuff. Uh, I got hooked up with a couple of different networks, Fox, uh, Fox Penn State Radio. Uh, and it's provided me a couple of cool opportunities uh, since early October. I've been doing a show every single Sunday. Uh, over on Keystone Sports Network, uh, just kind of analyzing the, the game, and now just kind of talking off-season stuff. You know, spring ball, winter workouts, that ty- that type of deal. Uh, so I've really enjoyed that recently. Uh, and then coming here in March, uh, shortly about mid-March, I'm going to be putting on my own podcast uh, where I'm going to be bringing on Penn State players, uh, all Penn State athletics. We got some really good guests lined up that I'm excited for, uh, and I think it's going to be really unique just from a standpoint of these are my teammates still. Uh, and I you know, know them very well. I know their story. I think I can tell their story. No offense than any, any other media member a little bit better. <laughs> just because you know, I know them. I have those interactions yeah. with them. So uh, I, I'm really excited to, to showcase that and get, get a lot of good content to these fans. Uh, because, you know, as we know, through NIL beforehand, you really didn't know these guys. There was no personality to the face. And honestly, there was barely a face because you wear a helmet. And, you know, these fans don't get to understand what these kids are about. You know, where do they come from? Uh, you know, what what are what are their core values? That type of thing. And I want to be able to showcase that to the fans and, and kind of help them understand the people that uh, that that are on that are on this team that, that they're rooting for every Saturday. Uh, just further proves my point that uh, and I think a common point that offensive linemen are the most prepared, detail oriented people on the football team. Maybe quarterbacks, maybe, maybe. 
But Landon has got so many things going on. And by the way, I got a chance to see him do his uh, thing in person a couple weeks ago at one of those Keystone uh, Sports Network uh, events you were talking about. Friend of the show here, by the way, the Keystone Sports Network show on Wednesday is a, is a simulcast here on the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. So lots of friends in the building. And Landon, we're, we're excited to have you here as well. Um, we're actually going to have him uh, show off his skills later at the end of the show. We're going to flip the script. He's going to be interviewing me, so stay tuned. Make sure you check that out because uh, uh, I'm going to squirm. I promise you. <laughs> He's going to put me on the hot seat. I'm going to squirm. Um, I got to ask you, though, because at this time of year, it is, as you have mentioned, you know, you can tell the story of these guys because you've been through the dark days with them. What's winter conditioning like? We don't get a whole lot of insight into that. Yeah, I, li I like how you call it the dark day. So that's pretty accurate to you, Frank. I'm not going to lie. But uh, it, it's rough, man. You get done essentially a six-month season, five, six-month season. Uh, you get about a week or two off, and you're coming back in, and you're getting into you're getting into workouts. It starts off pretty light. You're lifting uh, pretty light, and the, the running's pretty easy. But then winter workouts come early February, uh, and that is – it's intense. You're waking up about 4.30, 4.15 every single morning. Uh, workout started I'm out. five. I'm yeah, out. that's it. That's it. That's <laughs> hey, that happens to guys, man. That, so, some guys get there, some walk-ons. They say, you know what? This is not for me. I'm good. <laughs> that, that that happens. Best believe. But uh, and what's it used to be earlier? It used to, my understanding is it used to be start at like five a.m. and guys yeah. used to like sleep in the facility and they're like, all right, this is getting too much. Let's push this back a little bit. Uh, so it's still very early and it's you know it's cold and you're walking to Haluba from the facility in your, in your shorts and t-shirt and uh, you're rubbing your eyes, you're still tired and it's intense, man. It's a, it's about an hour winter workouts. They're only about an hour, hour and 15, but you are constantly moving uh, from station to station and they are not fun stations at all. This is, this is no, uh, there's no kid, you know, kid football camp, nothing like that. You're, yeah. you're, hit, you're doing mat drills, hitting the floor. Uh, you're pushing sleds, that, that, that whole type of deal. It can get, it can get really intense. And that is, you know, as important as spring ball and summer camp is, these these winter workouts is where, number one, where I think you find the leaders for this coming year. You know, when you sit there after the season and you get that you have that first team meeting when you get back from the bowl game, sometimes you look around and say, you know, wow, we, we lost a lot of our top guys, a lot of our top leaders. Who's going to step up? Well, you see that, you know, throughout the winter workouts, who's going to be your leader uh, just just from a standpoint of how tough it is, and you see who can who can manage that and handle that, and also bring guys along with them uh, while while they're fighting their butts off in probably what is the the hardest time of the year for the football players uh, from, from I guess from a physical uh, demanding standpoint. So it is it's definitely it's not easy, but it, it is it is a grind and it is almost required I think to to help build a team because when you go through tough things together, it makes you stronger build that bond more uh, and coach Franklin, coach Losey and those guys, they put on a, a really good production there, you know, making sure, keeping us still safe uh, mm -hmm. and making sure, you know, they understand we just finished playing a month and a half ago, a month ago, uh, but still getting after it and getting ready for the, you know, prepping for this spring ball uh, season that's coming up. So it sounds like it's almost more mental. It's almost a more mental work than it is as as the physical side obviously for a football player it's never not that but it's about the the warrior side of it right of being able to fight through things and and building that resiliency more so than just making sure that you're in shape 
You're absolutely right. And, you know, if you look on Instagram, you'll see us doing like tire pools you, right at the end when everybody's dead tired. You just finished a six station rotation and you're normally you're normally at each, each station for anywhere between five and eight minutes. And, you know, you're constantly going and everybody's, you know, almost throwing up, bending over and everybody's trying to stand up. And Coach Franklin brings out the tire and he's calling you up. You know, you got to get up there and, and you got to I mean, that's when you get to that point. You are fighting with every fiber fiber of your being. You don't have much left in the tank, uh, and you just got to showcase that that dog in you, essentially. And I like how you mentioned, you know, the men, it has really nothing to do with football. But Coach Franklin always says that he says it has nothing to do with football, but it has everything to do with football. Is these winter workouts that that warrior mentality? And like I said, that's where you see where you got your guys. And I, you know, I you see those guys getting those awards. Uh, Nick Dawkins as a three-time winner for the offensive line. Uh, I, I wouldn't put too much credence into the into the winners uh, because it is if you are more physically gifted, if you're the fastest guy in your position, you're more than likely going to win the MVP more days than not. Uh, but it can also tell you that whoever's winning those MVPs is is busting their butt every day in there and showcasing the uh, you know their skills and something that the coaches want to see. Oh, we're definitely going to place too much stock in Atlanta because, like I said to start, it's the only it's the only thing we've got right now. Like the doors are closed, and by the way, I think it's good for you guys that there is a time of the year where I'm not in there with my cell phone right in your face, and like you guys can just be the football team. But it is very much a thing where we have very little insight from the outside. So uh, social media hits, it's it's going to be what we take too much from. Uh, as an offensive lineman, I'm curious: is it harder for you? Is it different for you as opposed to you know quarterbacks dbs linebackers like what's it like to be an offensive lineman because it seems like a lot of it is conditioning and you mentioned a lot of running and 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 hitting the mats and things like that yeah well coach losi he does a great job specializing it to you know catering to a position so they're going to change it around a little bit as far as you know what the wide receivers are doing versus the offensive line it's not going to be the exact same thing so we might have you know it's a six you know we have have rotation set up but maybe there's a station that the offensive line doesn't go to that is more specific for the DBs and the wide receiver. So the coaches do a really good job of manufacturing that and understanding, you know, what our position demands. Uh, so I really like, I really always appreciated that from a, you know, from a player standpoint that it's not just, you know, everybody doing the exact same thing. They understand that different positions require, you know, different, uh, different talents and different techniques. So uh, thank you for our insight into winter conditioning. I will try not to throw up thinking about it. Uh, By the way, I I talked to Curtis Jacobs last year, and I think we talked about this, and he mentioned the same thing. Like, yeah, one of his first winter workouts, he saw somebody just walk over and throw up on the side of Haluba. And I thought to myself, oh, good. I probably walked through that. Like, I've definitely walked through that spot. Now I think about Haluba and just all the spots where somebody's thrown up. And, like, I probably sat there, you know, work on my laptop. So that's nice. we 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 will talk about that from time to time, and obviously we have we have a great uh, janitorial crew and, and and all that. But uh, you know that that throw up stays stays in there when it comes up. And I'll tell you, I I will take pride in the fact I never did throw up during a workout. I'm not a big throw up guy, but you know it, it's hard to keep it down sometimes, especially in the summer too. Uh, you know, summers a, I'd say a little bit easier than winter, uh, just because the time of the year and you have a little bit more time to yourself. But uh, those you know, Coach Losi and the guys. And they, they push us uh, and get, get all they can out of us. And sometimes that's getting some throw up out of you too. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
just a little bit, just just a little bit. You know, you know where you can toe that line. Absolutely. Um, Last last season, JB Nelson stepped in for you. Um, How do you think he handled that situation? How do you think the offensive line handled that situation going into the year, having a guy that I think everyone um, thought very highly of, and then suddenly the plan changes uh, pretty soon before the season? So, uh, can you take us through just? how you thought the guys responded to the adversity, obviously that you went through, but that the team had to go through with you. Yeah, I think they did a fantastic job. And look, this is all credit to coach Troutwine too. Building a room with depth is not easy these days, especially in a world of NIL where if someone isn't getting exactly what they want, they're out of there. Uh, So it's really hard to keep depth on a team these days. And I, I think coach Trout, we had, you know, uh, 10 deep. So I essentially two full offensive lines that we as a team felt could play. Um, and that, that is so important. And then it's speaking to JB and then uh, Vanga, both playing at left guard. They did a fantastic job. I think both uh, big team uh, first are not a, uh, I think both honorable mentions, one of them might've been 13, but both uh, all big 10. So did a fantastic job and JB super athletic guy. I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, this coming year. And I'm excited to see him this spring. He was a little banged up and had, had, had a couple injuries uh, this fall. So I, I would love to see him at full health because I know his ability. He can, he can play tackle guard. He's very versatile. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can continue to do. And then Vanga, just a huge man. I actually saw him eating some food today. Always, always feeding Vanga. He, he's a big dude, as you can see on on, on the depth chart. Uh, and just powerful. So is you he, know, is he a good dancer? Because he's very light on his feet. I imagine he would, if he does dance, he'd be a good dancer. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen him dance. I was recently talking about on one of my podcasts how when guys come in, no matter if you're a player, coach, if you're new to the program, you have to sing or dance. You have to do a singer, you know, song or a dance and perform it in front of the team. Uh, you know, I can't actually remember what Vanga did, but he, you're, you're right about that. That's a good analysis. He is absolutely, he's got quick feet. He's light on his feet and then he can, he can anchor, uh, you know, very well too. So, uh, you know, at the guard position and then obviously Sal on the other side, we know what we have in Sal coming mm-hmm. back for a sixth year. Um, obviously didn't have the, the year he wanted, had some tough competition, went up against Newton, uh, from Illinois, one of the best defensive tackles and going against Mason Graham that that's, it's hard, and uh, so it's it's fun to see him come back for this last year and have that opportunity to be able to come back and hopefully rise that that draft stock a little bit. But I think that kind of three-man rotation at guard is going to be awesome, and I think you're going to see a lot of all of them because Sal, being a sixth-year guy, they're going to want to take some of those reps off of him. And right. one thing I can promise you is playing offensive line for six years in the Big Ten is not an easy feat for the body. So yeah. they're definitely going to try to take some of that toll off of Sal and get Vanga and JB uh, in there and, you know, cut, like I said, rotating and kind of three man uh, at, the, at that guard position. So that, that gets me really excited uh, knowing we got those guys there. And I guess I'll kind of just take myself into an analysis of the offensive line. If, if that's, I love it. Yeah. Uh, and then at tackle, man, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, it looks like at right tackle, Nolan Rucci and Anthony Donka are going to probably be battling out at right tackle. I am really excited about Anthony Donka. This is a guy that came in, uh, just the nicest guy ever, just puts his head down, doesn't say much, and just grinds. Uh, started out at left guard the whole season, and then a couple weeks before the bowl game, say, hey, you're going to play right tackle, and then, by the way, you're going to start too. Uh, that is not easy at all. 
uh, you know, especially not only going from guard to tackle, but we're talking about left guard to right tackle. And you, you've, you've seen offensive linemen in the NFL and even college speak about it. It's yeah. like, it, I mean, it's like, it's like going to the bathroom with the other hand, man. It, it just feels wrong to, if you play one position, you know, on the line on one side and then you switch it, everything is backwards. So, yeah. you know, it's just a credit to him to come into the bowl game, allow no sacks. I don't really think he even a lot of pressure, maybe one. That's really promising uh, for, for Penn State at the tackle position, especially when we just had a year where obviously we know what Olu did. But I yeah. think Caden, Caden Wallace was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I don't know if he got enough credit for what he did this year. Uh, but having bookend tackles like that was was something special uh, and really good for the development of, of young Drew Alar uh, as well. And then flipping over to to the left tackle. Can, can uh, I interrupt you for one second oh, before go you get for to it, that? Please, Be- please. Because I I think there's an interesting comparison. Not completely, as you mentioned, going left to right is something different. But you had you were in a similar situation where you had to fill in as a freshman mm-hmm. um, late in the season. And Anthony, obviously, going into the bowl game, sort of cold. Obviously, you got that month of of preparation, but not being a guy who played sixty snaps in a game, and suddenly he's playing against an SEC team. How hard is that for a freshman? who uh, came in and was a guard, guard only, and then suddenly he's flipping over to not only to the right side, but to tackle. Like, how hard is that to do? Because you also had to play left guard, left tackle. You did a lot of stuff your freshman year, so I imagine there's a lot of um, trying to keep stuff straight almost. Yeah. Well, I think it speaks to Anthony Donka's dedication uh, and, you know, how much he loves the game. Uh, I think a lot of guys in that scenario would say, hey, you know, I, I have the somewhat of a pass because – this isn't my, my my position that I've been playing. I'm a freshman, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, talk if it's a will linebacker and he has to go and play Sam or even Mike, that's going to be really difficult for him. Uh, so, you know, in a scenario like that, it, it's just, it's just really impressive and speaks to his preparation because there's so many little rules and intricacies to the guard position versus the tackle position uh, that you just, that you just have within our playbook. And the fact that, and my understanding is that he graded out essentially the best offensive lineman from that game. Um, like I said, just speaks volumes about his potential. Uh, and I actually just said this earlier on Tyler Donahue's show, but it kind of reminds me of someone else who got their first start in, in a bowl game <laughs> against against the SEC team and yep. balled out and didn't have any sacks, no pressures. You know, if anybody's not familiar, I'm talking about Olu. Uh, started, yeah. obviously, his first start was in the Outback Bowl in 2021. Uh, and then we know what he went on to do. So I'm not, not fully given the Anthony Donka to, to Olu Fashanu comparison yet, but uh, there's a lot of similarities though. I mean, both very long guys, yep. uh, very quick, you know, good, good feet. It definitely has uh, stuff to work on, of course. Uh, but I am really excited for Anthony Donka and uh, what he brings to this offensive line. And, and explosive. There were, there were moments you watched Olu against Arkansas and I went, what did I just see? You know, because at that point we hadn't seen him before and he's over there on the left side and suddenly there's a dude two yards down the field. I was like, oh, that's that's different. Like that is not. And then uh, in, in the game against Ole Miss, there were times where Anthony just collapsed the right side of the defensive line and there were these big runs. So I, I totally get what you're saying as far as like the athleticism, the explosiveness and then some of those wow plays we saw. I'm excited to see what the depth of all of that is uh, this spring where we get to see just more information. And, you know, you get to see these guys in practice. The the coaching staff has, you know, a good beat on who can do what, but it's always fun to get those, you know, live reps in the blue white game to, to get an idea. I think last year we got to see Drew Shelton um, do some of those things and, and prove a little bit of his talent. 
presumed starter coming in at left tackle before I interrupted you, you were, you were going to be talking about that. So I guess, what do you see from him that makes you think he can take the next step? If you see that. Yeah. One thing that I keeps coming back to my mind is preparedness. And first off, I think that's a credit to coach trout that he is bringing in guys that understand what they need to do. They are, you know, NFL level guys. That means they come in, they, they, they understand what is that, what the problem at hand is and you know, how am I going to attack this? And they give it everything they got. And I think that's another thing you have in Drew Shelton. Uh, he, when he was a freshman, uh, Olu Fashanu had a couple injuries last year, started with no problems. I think he started last four or five games, burned his red shirt, uh, and didn't really notice too much of a drop-off there. Wasn't like he was really giving up too many sacks, anything like that. So that was really promising. Uh, obviously not as much playing time this year as his freshman year. Um, but a, a guy who's hungry and, like I said, he's been there. He knows what it's take. He started games for Penn State previously at left tackle. Um, and j- just a guy you can count on, obviously. I've been in the room with him, uh, a, a guy that is always doing the right thing, always knows the answer to any question that Coach Trout has. Uh, and, you know, that's what you want your left tackle. Obviously, lo- losing Olu Fashanu hurts. He, he's the best tackle in college football. Uh, and so, that you, you know, you're going to feel that next season. So I, I do think the fans need to understand that the drop-off there's going to be a little bit of a drop off to start out having Olu Fashanu and Caden Wallace clamping guys down. And then, you know, to Drew Shelton and, and Anthony Donka, both I can, I think can be, you know, big time talents. Uh, but there, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to, to get really comfortable uh, in those roles. Uh, Javen Williams, we talked to him uh, about a week ago, week and a half ago, I think at this point, And uh, he talked about playing left tackle, predominantly his freshman season and getting comfortable at that position. What have you seen from him and, and what's your outlook on his ability uh, to contribute? Maybe be a Drew Shelton who gets some playing time, gets to work in the lineup, maybe not a starter, but a guy that is getting that important work next year. Do you see that for him? And, and I guess, what is your outlook on what he can be at, uh, on the offensive line? Yeah, that, that Javen's a young kid who is really talented. I think anybody who saw his high school film, watched how he pulled and he, yes. he's nasty man he, he would put guys down i remember actually being my freshman year and we were at some away game and trout turned the camera around it was twitter and it was the video of him pulling and just absolutely flattening a kid um so you know speak that speaks to his athleticism he he can pull really well he can get out in space you saw towards the end of the year especially once uh once hal and, and cider took over we were getting outside on a lot of runs pin and pulls yeah. Uh, that, that's really exciting. And I think that's someone who can really excel. We've seen a- Andy Kotonicki put a, put a lineman in motion too. So I don't know, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll bring that back for Javen Williams. He, yeah. he might be the top candidate. Although I would, I would argue that putting Van Goane in motion at like 365 pounds would be kind of exciting to, to watch. Uh, but no, Javen is, you know, he, he's definitely, he's a really talented kid. Um, obviously when you come in, anybody out of a wing T offense, you're going to be a little bit raw, especially in the past pro. Um, so I think that's definitely something that, that he needs to continue to work on. Uh, but, you know, as far as the, his ceiling, uh, you know, it, sky is the limit. I, I think this is a really talented kid. And like I said, Tr- Coach Trout continue, continues to build depth uh, on this offensive line, and he builds that through competition. I mean, you still have multiple, uh, multiple uh, competitions at different spots on the offensive line. And that just that just creates a better atmosphere. It makes everybody better around each other when everybody's you know competing, trying to get that spot. And then you know throughout the season, 
guys get injured, stuff happens on the offensive mm-hmm. line. It's so rare to make it through a whole season and keep your whole offensive line intact. And, you know, Coach Trout and Coach Franklin know that. Uh, so, so having these guys able to plug in with really not too much of a drop-off is really big for this offense. You, speaking of dudes that pulled on film in high school and destroyed kids, uh, you were one of the first of these offensive linemen when you watched them in high school and you went, oh, wow, this is different. Penn State's getting a different level of athlete and player and potential at the position. What has your view of the offensive line room been like over the last several years with Phil Troutwine as the offensive line coach in recruiting? What was it like, I guess, when you got there? And what, what is your view of it now as you look at it? Yeah, I mean, we all know what what it was. There was a lot of scrutiny around the offensive line, and you know, you think back to 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 the Bill O'Brien era era when we had four offensive linemen on scholarship and had a, had a defensive tackle play in O line. That yeah. that was a rough time, and we've come a long way since then. And when when Coach Trout got in here, it, you have to understand it takes a little bit to overhaul a room in a sense of building that culture in the offensive line room and everybody understanding the standard. And it's even easier when you really start to get guys in there that you recruited. Um, you know, it's hard when you're when, you know, coaches will speak to this, you know, give, give me some time to, to get my guys in here that I'm recruiting and then see how I do. And, you know, Coach Trout, first off, his track record, uh, had a first round pick at Boston College, obviously came here, did what he did with Olu, uh, which, you know, it was kind of it was, it was fun to watch the development of Olu, too after you know everybody knew how good he was uh on the team but after the outback bowl people there was whispers about him okay this kid's pretty good but we knew that he was an all-american status Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of fun that spring ball to understand what we had in olu but the media and the fans didn't really fully understand it uh so it was really no surprise it was it was it was really no surprise to anybody on the team that he was going to end up being a top 10 draft pick it was just that was how he worked and but I think that speaks to to Coach Trout and what he brings every day. Uh, you know, he is the hardest working coach I've ever been around, is always going that extra step to provide us with extra notes from practice. Hey, let's get some extra reps here. Let's go look over, you know, a little bit more of this film. If you guys have a, a couple extra minutes free, uh, whatever it may be, you can tell he cares. Um, and then even speaking from 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 me. Uh, he could tell he cares because he's still reaching out to me all the time. We're in communication, all that stuff. He, he cares about his guys, you know, as a family and has us over uh, as much as possible, be around his family, all that stuff. So he, he means a lot to this program. Uh, and I think that was one of Coach Franklin's uh, best gets since he's been here at Penn State. Uh, you mentioned uh, Olu and him being a special player and knowing you had something special in the spring of 22 before uh, the, that season um, the NFL draft combine is coming up. Um, I, by the time people are watching this we're surprised we're recording this. I apologize. I should have mentioned that earlier. Um, it, the, the combine is going to be here and we're talking about the draft. So I want to get your thought on Penn state's three offensive linemen in, in this particular class with Olu, Caden Wallace and Hunter Norzad. So, what makes Olu Fashinu a special offensive lineman that is a top 10 to five pick in the draft? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that not everybody sees. Obviously, everybody can say he's a, he's a great pass rusher. I'm sorry, excuse me. He's a, he's great at stopping pass rushers. He can absolutely collapse, you know, a run 
And we even had – we kind of had this caution uh, call where if we needed two or three yards, you were going behind Olu. Like every single play when you needed a couple yards, you, you looked at the play sheet and it was like, okay, all of these are behind the left side of the line, right behind <laughs> the left tackle. So it's clear that the offensive coordinator understands uh, what we need to do. But certain things, his recovery, number one. There's certain times where we would just pause it in the film room and he is like crossed feet. Like both his feet are crossed and he has no base. And next thing you know, he just absolutely anchors a guy. And it's just like, how is that even possible? His grip strength uh, is insane. I think sometimes you just you take it for granted, but you just see him just latch on to guys. And it's not that easy for many guys. He walks around with a little grip, little grip uh, strengthener all the time in meetings, when he's eating, just watching TV. He's always, always strengthening his grip. Uh, so he has one of the most impressive grip strengths I've ever seen. Uh, and then just his football IQ, his understanding of what's going to happen before it happens. Uh, just obviously playing next to him for a little while uh, and sitting next to him in the film room all the time. He has a great grasp of what it takes to be an elite player. And I think that's why we're going to continue to see him excel uh, at a high level in the NFL as well. Uh, and then someone who's just about his business. You know, mm-hmm. this is someone who comes in every day, works, goes home and chills out and, and just does his thing. He's not out there doing any extra stuff. You don't ever have to worry about him getting in any type of trouble. Uh, and if if personally, if I'm a GM, I, I want to take him in the top three. That, that's how I feel. And like I said, I know there's a little bias, but this is someone who's going to come in and just and just work for your program uh, and and be a culture driver. Uh, fan, I think people, especially at BlueWayIllustrated.com, are tired of hearing me talk about length when it comes, especially when it comes to tackle. What does length do for a tackle, and, and how is Olu special in that area? Yeah, I think Olu. I guess I mean we'll see at the combine, but I think he has somewhere around thirty-six inch arms. Uh, and that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what do you have over there, T. Frankie? What are you rocking with? Thirty? I'm I'm imagining twenty-nine and a half. I actually have very <laughs> short arms. I'm not a I'm not a good prototype size for any particular position. <laughs> No, but I, I can speak to it. So, I mean, I have pretty normal. I'm around 33, and it can compl- it just completely changes how you operate in pass pro. Uh, there's certain times where you'll see him just stick his hand out to almost just keep someone at bay. So, it, you know, it kind of disrupts their pass rush. And that's, that's one thing you're able to do so well uh, and that people don't talk about a lot is changing up your set and disrupting some a pass rusher's rhythm. So, you know, the, the pass rushers, they're setting up moves the whole game. They're, they're, they're might be, they might be waiting until pass rush rep number 12 of the game, but they have a move that they're setting up and they're saying, all right, I'm going to get them right here. Well, now Olu has the ability to quick set someone and maybe where someone else would get beat on the edge because they, they, they set real flat. Olu, he just, he has such long arms and is able to create that separation and then get his hands on guys and then just ride them out because of the length of his arms. Um, and then also redirecting inside it can save him in a lot of situations just throwing that throwing that inside hand olu has a really does a really good job using independent hands um mm-hmm. like i said i'd love i'd love to get in a breakdown of, of olu one day well we're uh, doing it we're gonna yeah, be doing uh, it don't worry we, we definitely will uh but he, he uses his hands so precisely and i've even spoken to him about it he's like i'm you know the defensive line chop adisa will come over and they're like like, when do you decide to throw your outside hand versus your inside hand? And he's like, honestly, dude, it, it just happens. It's just natural. And that's one thing about Olu. He's a natural baller 
and he was just meant to do this. Uh, and it, uh, his parents, funny enough, both around like five ten. He's just a <laughs> specimen, man. They're, they're, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But he's do you remember just those ninth grade allele charts or whatever with the big T and the big T and the little T and the little, like it just it worked out. It, they got the big T and the big T in the gene pool. <laughs> he was he was meant to do it, man. That's that's at the end of the day, he is a prototypical NFL left tackle. And I just think we're going to continue to see him succeed with everything I talked about, his strength, his length, uh, you know, ability to anchor and the way he moves. Uh, you know, I, I see him playing at an all pro level very early on in his career. What's the craziest thing you've seen him do either, you know, on the football field or off the football field from an athletic standpoint? Because people love hearing like the alien things you guys are capable of at 300 plus pounds. Oh, man, there's there's a lot of impressive things he's done. I, I don't know if there's one moment. Like I said, there's been moments where, I mean, I kid you not, his feet are crossed. Like, they're on opposite sides, and he has anchored. But I guess just from a standpoint of one-on-ones in practice, we know what Adisa Isaac is. We know what Chop Robinson is. It was rare to see Olu lose a one-on-one rep against even that level of competition, where it would just be almost no contest, where it's like, all right, o- Olu's winning this rep, no doubt, and just blow the whistle, and he just absolutely clamps a guy like Chop, who's going to go in the first round, who is an insane talent, which just speaks to how how amazing Olu is. Uh, like I said, very few times, and you do one-on-ones every single practice, and the offensive line is at a disadvantage in one-on-ones. It's very different. The defensive line can pin their ears back. They know it's a pass uh, right. and really work their moves. And I, I can probably count on my hands the amount of times he ever got beat in a one-on-one in the past three years. Uh, so he is a, a special talent. We know what NFL is now. You passing the ball, and uh, he's the type of guy he can protect your quarterback that's dropping back 40, 50 times a game, whatever you need. We're absolutely going to get into some film breakdown. I'm excited to do that. Um, we're going to set that up soon. I, I started out in my notes here that I was going to editorialize um, about Caden Wallace, but you already said it. Like, this is a secret NFL starter. So what do you think makes him a starter at the next level? And with him in particular, um, what position do you think he's going to be at the next level? Yeah, Caden came in early, and he was a baller. Uh, I know he didn't have – there was a couple years there. He didn't exactly have the seasons he wanted to have. Uh, and then this past year, just – a fantastic season. He is one of the most athletic guys. I think we're going to see him light the combine up uh, for, for, for the offensive line group there. Uh, he's going to, he's going to kill the 40. He, I think he, I believe he holds the vertical record here at Penn state for offensive linemen. Uh, so that that's going to be exciting. And you know, that's, that's always something that can really boost a guy's uh, draft draft uh, prospect there, but you know, just, just had an absolute lockdown season. Uh, you know, I really don't think he allowed too many sacks. Uh, just really light on his feet. And it was his usage of his hands that was what the biggest jump from the 2022 season to this past season. Um, just started to understand switching up his set. Uh, like I talked about earlier, disrupting pass rushers rhythm uh, is so important. Uh, and, you know, through talking to him, he's someone I still talk to very frequently. I was just talking to him today. Um, you know, he, he is the guy, he is the type of guy where he's going to get to the league and he is going to ball out. Similar to Rashid Walker, who is now Jordan Love's, you know, blindside guy. He's going to see right. a big contract here in the future. He was locking up Nick Bosa. He was locking up Chase Young, Micah Parsons. Uh, so I think we kind of see a similar trajectory as Rashid Walker for as for Caden Wallace here. 
I, I think he's someone that can play guard or tackle. I definitely could see him excel at guard as well. He's a, he's a big dude, but very athletic. Get him out in space pulling. That could be really dangerous. Uh, but at the next level, you want to be able to play at least two positions, uh, you know, referring to guard and tackle. Uh, it's just the versatility of that is very valuable to a GM and a coach. Uh, and I think Caden Wallace presents that. And I think it's someone who before his senior bowl and even after a, a stellar season, it, I saw a lot of, you know, seventh round, even undrafted. I don't know. I think this is a situation where we could see, you know, Juice Scruggs was not, you know, Brenton Strange. No yep. one really expected those guys to go in the second round. I think we could see something similar with Caden Wallace where he's oh, going. Wow. And I, I, I'm throwing it out there. I think after this combine, he's going to light up the combine. I know he is. I think he's going to be post one of the fastest 40 times, one of the best verts, uh, all of it. I, he's just an athletic freak. I got Caden Wallace climbing up the ranks. Uh, and even if he doesn't, I think this is a guy that someone's going to find a gem in him, and he's going to be a longtime NFL starter once he gets his feet under him. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the and the the late I called this a, a late season glow up for him and for Devon Ellis, who decided to come back. And after what what he did last season, I thought Devon could have gone to the NFL. And and I don't know, drafted or not drafted, defensive tackles hard, but uh, that one where I thought this is an NFL player now. He's he's made that. Uh, lean and i guess mm. before we get to hunter Norzad, i do want to double back and i want to ask you about nick dawkins and and kind of that thought of you know him as the leader and him as the guy who's going to get the first crack at the center position i didn't i feel like i didn't do a good enough job asking you the the importance of nick to this particular group and your thoughts of his ability to do what you we just talked about with these two guys yeah first off i think his his importance to penn state not only as the football team but Penn State as a whole, he does so much uh, as far as his foundation, uh, things he's involved in. He is one of those guys that is a Penn Stater for life, and he is going to be very involved, I think, for, for his time even after football. So set that aside, then go to the football team. He brings the energy every day. To me, he has been somewhat of a captain of this football team for a while now. Uh, he, mm -hmm. is our, he is our – I spoke earlier about how you have to come in and, and sing or dance when you first get here. He is our sing and dance uh, uh, team captain, so to speak. And he decides if you're good or you're bad. And so <laughs> when you go up and you perform, some guys come up with some bad stuff to you, Frank. I'm not going to lie. And if you get booed off, you got to go again. But if you, you get clapped off, you're good. And then, you know, you're good for the future. And so he kind of runs that. And, it, you know, those things are funny. But when you really look at those things and and how you and orchestrating that type of stuff, it, that's that team camaraderie. And that's just the type of guy that he is uh, always bringing guys together, always trying to get guys to hang out, build relationships. Uh, he just means so much to this program. And also, as many know, probably the funniest guy on this Penn State football team. If you guys didn't know, if you ever get a chance to have a conversation with Nick Dawkins, super friendly guy, I recommend walking up to him. Uh, and then now, you know, on the on the flip side, on the football field, uh, he's someone who always does the right thing. He knows as a center, you have to but he knows every single assignment for every player on the field will never play tackle, but I guarantee you he could answer every single question for our playbook for, for, for a tackle. Um, and th that's the type of guy he is. And you want that out of your center that has a full grasp and understanding of your offensive playbook. Um, so it's exciting to see him finally get his shot, you know, thought maybe thought he was going to get it last year. Hunter Norzad decided to come back. I know we'll get to him in a minute, uh, mm -hmm. but it's seeing doc finally get this opportunity 
everybody in the facility is just jazzed for him and they they know that he deserves this opportunity and he's going to be ready for it so speaking of uh the guy he is trying to replace hunter norzad going to the nfl uh what, what did you make of his time at penn state and what do you make of him as an nfl prospect yeah for first impression of hunter was he's just a pro's pro uh came in handles his business uh you know doesn't doesn't mess around once we started to get into the season i really understood that he knew how to prepare, like I said, like an NFL veteran. Uh, it was just the little things from just the little precautions he took of always making sure he was he was in there stretching, hot tubs, uh, you know, whatever, little little supplements, little things that you can take advantage of uh, that, that, the, that the staff has for us. And I kind of understood, okay, this guy came from a smaller program and he talks so much about how he appreciates everything that we have here and takes advantage of all the little uh, opportunities. And that kind of made other guys follow suit and say, okay, you know, this is someone I want to be like. And that's exactly what you want in the center. Uh, And once again, with him, similar to Doc, knew every single position, the ins and outs, uh, could could tell you anything about the offense. And even started going to the offensive staff meeting, I think, at a certain point, because he's just just (laughs) such a veteran and just understands that that's that's all he cared about. And then also, I've got his MBA here uh, at Penn State. Super, super smart guy. Uh, but he's a grinder, man. He's the type of guy, he could break his ankle, and if he can still go for you, he's still going to go. He's going to give you everything he's got. Uh, and I'm just really excited to, to see him get a shot at this next level. And I think that's another guy that once he gets his shot and some coaches see what he can really do, I, I think he's going to get on a team and stay with the team, be able to play center and guard. That's that's re- And he played tackle before, too, so yep. obviously much more of a center guard uh, uh, prototype. But – if he needs to, like I talked about, that versatility uh, to uh, to an NFL team is is very high value. So uh, I'm I'm really excited. These three got three guys that we have that left. Uh, I think they're both gonna, you know, I would, I mean, all three. I wouldn't just say this. I truly do believe. I think they're all gonna be NFL starters. Uh, they just have, and they just have that, uh, just that extra kind of grit to them. And like I said, speaks to Coach Trout, man. He has done a fantastic job with this room and really built it in a special way and, and set the standard that also these guys set and, and continued to follow. And I think we're going to continue to see that with these younger guys following suit. Yeah, I think a guy that you mentioned uh, blown up the combine, uh, the other two, uh, Hunter Norzad, that dude's fast. Uh, watching him reach a three technique a couple times this year in a zone, you know, check out T Frank's film room. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Holy cow, that dude can run. So I'm excited to see what he does at the combine. Um, Landon shows yours. Let's uh, you, broadcast journalism, major opportunity here to uh, interview the least interesting person on the screen, but what do you got? Well, I guess, I guess my first question is you've, you've been here this whole Franklin era. I wanted to get your take All of the Penn state offensive coordinators. Which one is your favorite? Which you know most explosive creativeness? I think there's an obvious answer here, but I'm I'm yeah. interested. I'm interested to see your take on this. Uh, Joe Moorhead for sure yeah. was was probably uh, a game changer for for Penn State. Um, and for a while, I think made Penn State cool. Um, and it's interesting that you know in my mind, and this is kind of talking something we we talked about off screen is like. I agree with James Franklin in his program building philosophies, in his philosophies of how to win football based on what the numbers say the most important things to do. 
And so this kind of narrative that Penn State is a Big Ten cloud of dust team, it is so very um, caught in the moment because this team has always tried to be that Joe Moorhead explosive, throw the ball down the field, generate explosive plays in the run game. Um, I think the difference now, uh, you know, kind of in the James Franklin era is this conversation that I've had with him, you know, in over the last like slow and progressive through press conferences, this idea of balance and, and maybe not sacrificing everything at the altar of explosive passing plays, which it felt like sometimes that Moorhead offense did a little bit part of that could be the offensive line and, and not having horses like, uh, like, like they had those last couple of years. But there is this emphasis now, I think, on having a presence on the ground and not just having the explosive elements that when they got into certain situations against certain teams, if you didn't have those big plays, then you were kind of feast or famine, which is what we saw then with Ricky Ronnie a little bit the next year. So mm-hmm. it's definitely Joe Moorhead as far as uh, the explosiveness. I'm excited because I think Andy Colton that he brings some of that stuff to Penn State again. Yeah, I, I think you're dead on there. I think he reminds me the most uh, of Moorhead of any offensive coordinator we had. And like, I, I was a big Moorhead guy. He left as soon as I really started getting recruited. And I yeah. actually went I went down to Mississippi State. I went down on kind of a southern swing to, to visit some schools. And I went to Mississippi State just because I really wanted to visit him because he, he was just a baller, man. I, I loved yeah. him. And then, all right, so takes, you know, switching over to the other side, we haven't really talked about the de- defensive side of the football yet. I want to get your take. I'm sure you've talked about it a little bit, and I have my own opinion on this. Abdul Carter switching the DN. What does yeah. that mean for him, not only for this Penn State defense, but also talk about, you know, as an NFL prospect, obviously a little bit of upside to that. Your oh, opinion on that? Yeah. So first off, I think from a – it's a no-brainer from a financial decision. If you look mm-hmm. at the number – first off, defensive end is taken in the first round. Um, and then from there – you've got the contract values. Um, and, and one way you can look at this is with franchise tags of what the franchise tag for a defensive end is versus an off ball linebacker. So um, absolutely the right decision for Abdul. I also think for this particular team, you know, I, I love deny. I love his game. I think he can be special, but they need a fastball off the edge. And if you're telling me that Abdul Carter is going to be that guy who can replicate a chop Robinson and a, uh, Adisa Isaac, um, as that guy who is a speed rusher, a locked in, we know we've got a guy that can get quick pressures with speed. Now you've got, you know, I always like, like at the receiver position, you want to have big guys, little guys, different talent variations so that you don't run into a situation where you don't have an answer. And Abdul brings that. The thing I'm interested in is a lot of times, and I might be being too narrow-minded about this, but a lot of times as a pass rusher, he had advantageous situations where whether it was a stunt and he's looping around to the outside with a quarterback flushed his way, or if he's lining up in the, you know, mugged in the A-gap and he gets to rush over a, a running back, those are ways Manny Diaz unleashed him and his athleticism on the offense. Now he's going to have to line up over a tackle time in and time out what is the special there? Because it's in the data, it's in the film, but now it's got to be every play. So that's my biggest question is just how good is he at the position of defensive end? We know he's a great pass rusher, but all those little things you talked about as far as hand usage, technique, ability to adapt and pass rush and set things up, those are all the, the, the soft skills that people don't recognize when a dude is just whipping a tackle. So 
where are those skills in his development tree? Because I'm excited to see what the physical stuff can do. But it, as you know, it's more than that. Absolutely. I think this spring is going to be huge for him, honestly, for his development, working on his hands. Like I, we talked about working on that, that rhythm, understanding how to set a tackle up uh, more opportunities. He's, you know, as you mentioned, used to less opportunity and getting used a lot, very creatively by Manny Diaz. Uh, but you know, 50 snaps against, against a really good Michigan tackle. Let's, yeah. let's see, let's see what he can do. How much was Joe Paterno and the Penn State legacy a part of you wanting to come here? Cause I know, you know, you were recruited by James Franklin well mm -hmm. into his tenure, but you're, you obviously have an awareness of Penn State football growing up. So I guess what was the impact of that on you wanting to be here? Yeah, I knew the legacy that that came with with Joe Paterno. Um, and, and one thing that I'm actually I wish I knew more back then. I, I don't think it had too much of an effect on me wanting to come to Penn State. But I, but I've talked about how much uh, Letterman help I've had since you mm -hmm. know retiring and kind of just picking their brains and moving on from football. But one thing I've under, started to understand is truly the legacy that Joe Paterno left behind. And I think sometimes the younger guys don't get the opportunity to, to really learn about that and what he meant to this program. Uh, but like I said, talking with, with a bunch of, a bunch of old heads, essentially who, you know, really close with him. Uh, it just the standard that he set for a Penn state football player. Look, you're not going to come here and just be a dumb jock. You know, this is, you're going to come here. You're going to be a student athlete and you're going to handle your business and we're going to win games. Uh, and you know, we, we he did that. Uh, so, you know, I, like I said, I it didn't have too much of an impact on me wanting to go here. Uh, but I, I think we need to continue to carry on his legacy. And he was one of the most special coaches of all time. And I wish I could have met him, man. He's, he is a, he was a talent. Well, Landon, I know you just made a ton of fans, both old and new here on the BWI live show. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate your insight. And I'm excited to have you back and, and do this more. Uh, you know how much I love to nerd out about football and I love learning from people like you. So uh, I am going to absolutely be bothering you to teach me more about football, man. I love it. I love it. Let's let's do some breakdowns, man, and we'll, we'll get in the film room. I, I really look forward to it. I'm, I'm a film junkie, man. As I I always see, even when I was playing, I would see a T Frank breakdown on Twitter. Sometimes I'd watch it. I'm like, hey, this dude knows what he's talking about. Okay, I, I respect it. So you know, look, I, I'm excited to get in the film with you, T Frank. T Frank, it's, it's going to be a fun time, man. I appreciate that. We're definitely going to get that done. Landon Tangwall, former Penn State offensive lineman here on the BWI Live Show. Thanks to everybody who's been here, and thank you for watching. We'll be back with more here on the Penn State Football Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.